0: Turn your Bibles, if you will. We are going to be in the, starting off in the book of Joshua. Turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua. And as you're turning there, a shepherd, okay, keep this in mind. A shepherd drove his flock of sheep through the middle of town. Before long, a police officer waved him down and issued him a ticket. The shepherd looked at the officer and said, what is the charge? He said, for making a U-turn. Making a U-turn. You get that, Crockett? All right, just making sure. Amen. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, man. What comes to mind? Well, for most, it's the beginning of summer. It marks the season of barbecues and beaches, right? And even in many churches, Memorial Day is passed by in the pulpit. But Memorial Day is exactly what its name represents. It is a day of remembrance. It's a call for us to remember. And we think about the word remember. If you take the word remember or its multiple variations, that word is used over 550 times in the Bible. As I've said over and over, if there's one word in the Bible, it's worth noting. Amen? But when God uses a word that many times, we need to understand it's important. So why would God call us to remember so much? Well, simply put, we're forgetful. Amen? We are forgetful people, and we need reminders. How quickly we forget God's blessings when times get hard. Amen? And how quickly we forget God's judgment when things are going good. We constantly need reminders, and God often needs to jog our memories about both. For example, uh, after Joshua led the Israelites across the Jordan River into the Promised Land, God instructed Joshua to do what? To build a memorial. Amen? Amen. So as the priests, and the priests were the ones who carried the Ark of the Covenant of God, as soon as they stepped into the waters of the Jordan, God stopped those, uh, the, the river from flowing and allowed all the Israelites to safely cross over. As soon as they all crossed over, God instructed Joshua to pick out 12 men, choose 12 men, one from each tribe. And those 12 men were to go back into the river and pick up 12 stones from the Jordan, and they were to use those 12 stones to build a memorial. In Joshua chapter 4, starting at verse 6, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Second example of God calling us to remember was after God's judgment upon man's rampant uh, sins. What did he do? He destroyed the world with a flood. Amen? And he made a covenant. He made a promise, a covenant with Noah. And this is, we can pick up in uh, Genesis chapter 9, book of Genesis chapter 9, skipping down to verse 11. God said, "'Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth.'" And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So whenever we see a rainbow, it's a reminder to us. It's a memorial to us of God's promise, his covenant that he made to Noah and he made to all mankind, that he would never again destroy this world by flood. So as we see, we go out through, uh, as we look through the scriptures, we'll see that God has established a number of feasts, a number of special days to serve as reminders. And I want to take a look at a couple um, really important days of reminder. And the first I want us to see is the Feast of the Passover. Now the Israelites they had been in slavery to Egypt for 430 years. The Israelites had cried out to the Lord day and night because of their bondage. God heard their prayers and he called a man named Moses to stand before before Pharaoh. Now keep in mind Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world at that time. And God called this man named Moses To stand before Pharaoh, and what was his message? Let my people go. Very simple message. Let my people go. Pharaoh refused. He refused to free the Israelites, so God sends nine different plagues upon the Egyptians. The first was that he turned uh, uh, the water to blood. Then he sent frogs he sent lice, he sent flies, he sent disease upon their livestock, boils, hail, locusts, and he, uh, uh, he blotted out the sun. He made uh, darkness. What did Pharaoh do? Still refused. Pharaoh still refused. So God tells Moses that he's going to send one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And we pick up in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall it be. Again So God tells Moses this one last plague is Coming he's going to send The death angel throughout the land of Egypt to wipe out to kill All of the firstborn whether it be of Mankind or of animals He then instructs the Israelites That each Family is to choose a lamb That lamb is to be one Year old it's to be a male It's to be the firstborn And it is to be without blemish, without spot. It's to be a a perfect lamb. A lesson for us today that we are to give God what? Our very best as well. God commanded the Israelites that they were to choose the best of the best, the best lamb without spot, without blemish, to give to God. That's a lesson that we ought to learn, that we are to give God our very best. But the sad truth is that we tend to keep the best for ourselves and then give God what? Our leftovers. Amen? We tend to give God our leftovers. God deserves our very best. And if we love him, then what are we going to give him? We're going to give him our best. Amen? So each family was to choose a spotless male lamb. Let's pick up in Exodus uh, chapter 12. Skipping down to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the lamb's blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts. The lintel and the two doorposts. What sign did I just make? The lintel and the doorposts. Amen? Do you see that symbolism that God was using here? They were to take that lamb and apply it to the doorposts. Amen? Now skip down to verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. But wherever God saw the blood of the Lamb, What was his promise? That he would pass over that home, and that home would be spared. Amen? Wherever God saw the blood of the lamb, he would pass over. And the next morning, Pharaoh and the Egyptians set the Israelites free. And if we look in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. God says, so this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting covenant. The feast of the Passover. A call to remember. The second feast that I want us to to remember, the special day, is the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day. In the Old Testament, as part of the Ten Commandments, God called the Israelites to remember the Sabbath day. Amen? Exodus chapter 31, verse 13. Lord spoke to Moses, said, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. Now who is he speaking to? The children of Israel. Okay? So we have to understand this. My Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you, the Israelites, throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who pervains it shall surely be put to death, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people." Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, he shall surely be put to death. Verse 16. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Now, I stressed... Certain things in those verses. Verse 13, God said it was a sign between me and you, the children of Israel. In verse 16, he repeats it. He said, um, therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. In verse 17, he said it's a sign between me and the children of Israel. So the Old Testament Sabbath was for who? The Israelites, amen? It was a covenant between God and Israel. So what about Christians today? What do we do? Remember, keeping of the Sabbath was part of God's Old Testament what? Part of the law, amen? It was part of the Ten Commandments, part of the law. So praise God, first and foremost, that we are no longer under the law. Why? Because of Christ. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Amen? Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, and the Bible calls Christ the Lord of the what? Of the Sabbath. Amen? So why do we worship on Sunday? Why do we come to church on Sundays? Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. When did Jesus rise from the dead? First day of the week on Sunday. First and foremost, Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave on the first day of the week. Secondly, he first appeared to his disciples on what day? First day of the week, on Sunday. When did he commission his disciples to go and preach the gospel unto all the world? What day was that? It was a Sunday, first day of the week. The disciples and the early Christians... When did they gather themselves together for church? First day of the week, on a Sunday. The Bible instructs that we are to bring our tithes to the storehouse, to church, on what day of the week? On Sunday. Amen? On Sunday. Fifty days after Jesus ascended into heaven, also known as the day of what? Pentecost. Pentecost simply means 50 days. 50 days after Jesus ascended to heaven, not after his resurrection, after he ascended to heaven, 50 days on the day of Pentecost, God sent his Holy Spirit to abide in us. On what day of the week? First day of the week on a Sunday. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, the Bible calls Sunday the what? The Lord's Day. Amen. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He received the revelation of Jesus Christ on the Lord's day. All of these things designate Sunday, the first day of the week, as the Christian Sabbath day. Amen? That Old Testament Sabbath was uh, was established between God and the Israelites. We have the New Testament Sabbath, the Lord's day, because of Christ. And when we gather together every Sunday, we come together to worship our, uh, our, our loving and holy Lord. We come together to what? To recognize and remember. Amen? We come together to recognize and remember all that Christ has done for us. That's why we're here today, to worship him, because he is the only one worthy. Amen? So God gave us the Lord's Day. So what is the third uh, feast or or special day that I want us to look at? And that is communion. Communion is the meal of what? Of remembrance. The meal of remembrance. Most, if not all of us, are familiar with the biblical account of of Jesus' Last Supper. How the night before his crucifixion, he he gathered together with his disciples in that upper room to celebrate what? Passover, right? They gathered together to celebrate the Passover, amen? Again, what was the Passover? God established that with the nation of Israel as a feast of remembrance, Amen? So Jesus gathered his disciples together to celebrate the, fa- uh, the Passover, a feast of remembrance. But on this night, Jesus gave his disciples something new. He gave them something much greater to remember. Let's pick up in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. Skip down to verse 19. And Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in what? In remembrance of me. Likewise, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So why was this cup, why was the cup of his blood the new covenant? Bottom line is that Jesus was the fulfillment of the covenant that we read in the book of Jeremiah. He is the fulfillment of uh, the prophet Jeremiah's prophecy in, in Jeremiah chapter 31. Let's skip down to verse 31. and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Jesus being the fulfillment of the law, he was the fulfillment of this prophecy. He fulfilled that prophecy where? On Calvary's hill, amen? And the empty tomb is our guarantee. We think of communion, the Lord's Supper. It is the Christian meal of remembrance. The bread and the cup, they are our eternal reminders of Jesus' sacrificial love and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. That's why Jesus tells us. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Skipping down to verse 26. It says for as often as you eat this bread. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Go back to chapter 10, verse 16. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes. He said, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. What one bread do we all partake of? The manna from heaven. The bread of life, Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Bottom line is that we've all traveled down that wrong, dusty path. Every single one of us. Amen? We've all sinned, and we all fall short of God's glory and his righteousness and his holiness. But thank God. We don't partake based on our own righteousness. Amen? For our righteousness is what? It's filthy rags. But thank God for Christ. Because of Christ, we put on His righteousness. This is what allows us to come into His holy presence. This is what allows us to take part in the Lord's Supper. In remembrance of all that Christ has done for us. To remember the unspeakable price that he paid for our freedom and for our forgiveness. Let us never, ever forget.